Okay, folks, in case we're going to start over here again, uh, this is David opposing the Matrix. It looks like our first attempt at recording didn't work, but here we are, and it's working. Um, Ralph is going to be on today. Is Ralph? Hi, Ralph. How you doing, bud? Hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, abortion, and uh, Ralph will explain further. Um, and um, so, Ralph, why don't we go ahead and just take it away, bud? Well, I want your listeners to know a little bit about me, and I'm going to just flash flash some uh, words for you to read, David, mm-hmm. and, uh, one at a time, and because this will be, you're going to talk for me here. Okay, Ralph Epperson, I have no staff assisting me, and no researchers are doing my research. All right, no one is, is advising me. I am totally responsible for all, for collecting the information that I have gathered for this production. Now, this is a series, as I just pointed out, just a bunch of different thoughts. Abortion's one of them, and we're going to get into that, I think, a little heavier, a little well, because I've got some things that are very disturbing. I wanted to show you something here, David, to show you that uh, Ralph, Ralph is a class act. <clears throat> I want you to uh, read the, the, all the yellow. Okay, let's see. Hard Choices by Hillary Clinton. Yes, like the books, books you wrote. Okay, we have three columns. The first one is number of stars. Second one is percentage of reviews. And the third one is number of reviews. So the first uh, row says five for uh, the number of stars. Five stars. Five stars, 33% of reviews. And uh, let's see, the second one says second row for second column. First row, second column says four, four stars, 9%. And mm-hmm. we jump down to... One, two, three, four, five, six column. It oh, says five. Oh, okay. five. One, two, three. Yeah, okay. Five star. Okay, five. Okay, uh, it says one star. Sure. Uh, percent of reviews, 48%. And that, it goes on. It says The Unseen Hand by Ralph Epperson. And we're coming to that. Okay. I don't understand. The smartest, world's smartest woman writes a book and she gets uh, 40, what, 40, 48%, five, one stars. Mm-hmm. Is that what that says? It this sure is, does. This is yeah. off of Amazon. Now, let's compare that to the little-known Ralph Epperson. Okay. The Unseen Hand by Ralph Epperson. Uh, number of stars, five equals 71%. Four stars uh, equals 17%. And then we jump down to the final column, uh, final row. One star equals 5%. So you got a 71% five-star rating, Ralph. Ralph. Yes. That seems to be a little bit more. But wait a minute. This is supposed to be Hillary, the smartest woman in the world, and she gets... If anyone's going to give a, a one star, it should be the unseen hand, because it's controversial. Right. This. this woman writes garbage, and she gets 48% of her reviews are one star. Right. I don't think she's smart, Ralph. She's cunning. <laughs> That might very well be. I don't understand it. Now, I, I called my business Publius Press. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. And I want you to read what that means and why I did it. Publius was a pseudonym that Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and James Madison used to write the Federalist Papers, a collection of 85 articles. Let's see. Published in New York City in 1787, that explained the Constitutional Republic that they were forming, 
they chose not to use their real names because they feared retribution. Retribution. What does that mean, David? It means payback. Yes, I am so far. I also fear the retribution of the government because I too published the truth about government and tyranny. Yes. So that's why I need my business. Now, here's something. Let's talk about this raid, David. See what you think. Okay. We can discuss this after this if you have some thoughts yourself. Okay. Let's say that the Trump raid discovered that Donald Trump had a top secret document that he should not have had. How many people have or will die as a result? What do you think? (laughs) Zero. President Joe Biden withdraws our troops from Afghanistan and leaves multiple millions of military hardware. How many people have or will die as a result? Mm. Quite a few. Which is more important, do you think? I think... If they're going to accuse you of something, keep them from running for the presidency. Uh, What are they going to do with Biden? Well, just look. That's okay, Biden. I'm sure those things won't be used to kill anybody. Right. Right. Okay. Here we go. Let's get into abortion. Okay. Fetus. The young of a woman in the womb. Webster's New International Dictionary, 1947. Okay. So it's a real thing. It's not a, a fetus is real. Okay. Okay, the London Daily Mail, July 2010. We have previously reported a number of studies indicating the high risk of breast cancer brought about by abortion. Breast cancer and abortion? Wow. Oh, no, that can't be. The risk is extremely great if an abortion occurs before a pregnancy is carried to birth. Because during a a completed first pregnancy, changes occur in the breast, which protects the woman from breast cancer. There's something something built in automatically. So if you abort it, it changes things. Mm -hmm. These protective changes cannot occur, of course, when the pregnancy is terminated by abortion. So the protection never happens. Yes. In other words, there's problems. I'm going to read this last. I had it on top. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just read a a series of um, articles that I clipped out of the newspaper or found in a message. And we're only going to read the the caption, the title, and the, the newspaper. And if you want to put the date in there, you don't have to say about the page number. But that's for documentation. Okay. All right. The Arizona Daily Star, June 15th, 1993, page A5. Doctor convicted in Boston Borson sentenced to at least 10 years in prison. And I'm having a hard time reading the. No, no, you don't have to read that. Just that. All right. Now, this this might be a little harder for you. Let's let's see if this can get. It's it's pretty blurry, Ralph. I can't. Okay, I'll read yeah. it. When is an abortion an abortion? The latest 
in the abortion fiasco is a 19-year-old woman in Clearwater, Florida, and they name her. I'm not going to. She had a three-year-old son and was pregnant again with an unwanted child. News reports say she took a 22 caliber pistol and shot herself in the abdomen, killing her unborn child. She has been charged with murder. Well, what is it what the doctor does? Right. Why wouldn't that be murder? It should be. Could be. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, pull it out a little bit, Ralph. Okay, the Texas Baptist Examiner, February 5th, 1995, page 32. Abortion clinic closes after a patient dies. Oh, be darned. Sometimes the doctors mess up. Gee, they wouldn't mess up if you didn't have an abortion. I thought they were supposed to be safe abortions if you went to a doctor. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, woman okay. gets woman gets abortion, or excuse me, woman gets probation. Yeah, okay, I want, I saw the top part. Okay, woman gets probation um, in fetus's death, and I can't read the top. That's okay. I, was, I, was, I wrote it in July of 19, I don't have the, the complete documentation, 1996. Okay. I'm doing this from the past coming forward. Okay. All right, Arizona Daily Star, October 22nd, 1996, page A3. Drunken driver gets 16 years in fetus's death. Oh, my God. You huh. go hit kid a car and you kill the baby. What do you get charged with? Oh, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Where am I? In other words, okay. Okay. You seem to be saying that a, fe- a quote, fetus, unquote, is really human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Page A12, Thursday, February 24th. I can't read the year. Uh, UA student held accused of trying to kill her newborn. Sophomore. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a, it says sophomore gave something. Yeah, okay. I'll, put, I'll, I'll get you, give you that. Okay. Um, right there. Sophomore gave birth to her do- in her dorm room, police say. Yeah. In other words, they're going to hold an accuser or something. No, you don't do that. Man, oh, man. All right. Tucson citizen, January 21st, 2009, page 13A. 23-year-old sentence. 23-year-old sentence in crash that kills fetus. If you kill the fetus, something happens to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I like this. Arizona Daily Star, August 23rd, 2009, page 810. Judge said, uh, judge rules, docs, um, uh, uh, judge rules, docs must say fetus is a human. Oh, the judge? Why would the judge say that? How stupid is he? <laughs> you know, in other words, this has been going on and we're still killing ship babies. Right. Why? I'm sorry. We'll draw the, let people draw their own conclusion. Right. Okay. A30 Nation. Uh, two abortion uh, providers face murder charges in Maryland. Interesting. You fool up as a doctor, you get charges now. Huh. You, you pull it out and screw up the baby, 
you do get charged, but sometimes you do it wrong and you get charged because mm-hmm. it's not it's not a fetus. It's not a fingernail or a mm-hmm. toenail. Arizona Daily Star, May 26, 2004, front page. <clears throat> Plot to kill unborn child draws 25-year sentence. Wow. <clears throat> now, let's now read the hippo- part, of, part of the hypocritical. Once again, Dave, you'll see it underlining yellow. That's all you have to read. That was, it was written by the, uh, in fact, I think I say it above. This, this is the hypocritical. The Hippocratic Oath. Okay. I swear that I will pull it away a little, Ralph. It's getting blurry. Um, pull it a bit back towards you, Ralph. That I will. I can't read it, Ralph. Uh, okay, I'm very sorry. I, I it's okay. I swear, and then I'm reading only the arrow just to make it short. Right. But I will observe and keep this unwritten oath to the utmost of my power and judgment. And then in the middle, you can read that, I think. Okay. Um, I will give no sort of medicine to any pregnant woman with a view to just, with a view to destroy the child. Wow. Now, this Hippocratic Oath has been said since 400 B.C. Mm-hmm. How many healers and doctors would you guess have taken this oath? Oh, every one of them, I would assume, right? Now... Someplace along the line, it's been changed. That's been taken out. And I can't find it, but it looks like it's something to do around 1990. Okay. In other words, we, we don't believe that anymore. So right. it's 2,400, 16, whatever it is, 2,400 yeah. years. We do this, then we just stop. Mm-hmm. We're smarter than they were. Yeah, it takes away the culpability. Okay, Arizona Daily Star, May 8th, 1993, page C9. Two-month... Missouri. Oh, two Missouri women charged with murder and death of four-month-old fetus. In other words, the law knows that is not a fetus. It's a baby. It's a human. Mm -hmm. And when you injure that baby, you are injuring a human. If that child... It's out. You can you can charge the man for negligence, a driver that hits you and kills you, or if you if you do it yourself, you get charged. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was on a talk show and she said fetuses have no rights. No, they do have rights. And if you injure them, Hillary, you go to jail. Right. So why would she say that? The world's smartest woman. Yeah, I've got a theory about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Because she's a Wiccan, and Wiccans believe in sacrifice. Actually, she's a Satanist, and it's um, it's actually um, uh, a sacrifice to the god Molech. I don't know if you have that in your notes. No, no, no. Here. Go ahead and say it. It's a sacrifice to the god Molech, just like they did in the Bible in the old times, uh, killing the babies to appease their god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was taken from a book entitled. Okay, Ayn Rand, uh, Atlas Shrugged, 1957. When you, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, when you see that, in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. It's a terrible interesting. People who don't produce can stop producing. 
Hmm. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal, not in goods, but in favors. You're not kidding. Yeah, it's Washington. (laughs) When you see that men get richer by graph and by pull than by work. You may know that your society is doomed. D-O-O-M-E-D. Doomed. What do you think it is? I think it's the truth. Ayn Rand. Do you read about Ayn Rand? No, I don't. Uh-uh. Uh, I got interested in reading her in the 60s and when I started my Goldwater nonsense. And so uh, she, she wrote Atlas Shrugged and there's a fountainhead and there's about the, the joy, the joys of capitalism, etc. She was a, a, pretty much a libertarian, but she said that's when you allow someone to stop you from producing, then your society is doomed. Right. Okay. Now, I think people should read Atlas Shrugged and I'll ask the question of all your listeners. Who is John Galt, G-A-L-T. Good question. Who is he? He's the hero of Atlas Shrugged. What he, is, the book is about that thick. It's a very boring, tedious uh, move, uh, book. A fountain is probably a better one. But anyway, John Galt gets railroaded by railroads who, who tax him and destroy him. So he goes to Colorado and builds a community that's protected and lives the way you're supposed to live. No more stealing, no more taking your property. And and they they can't get through because there's a they got a plastic bubble. So I thought that was really the answer. Huh. I got I went to meetings in California during the early sixties and there were people who'd read Atlas Shrug trying to find a place where we could create either an island or a, by a county or at least they were talking about the part the part of Mexico that goes like this. This mm-hmm. is the big island and the rest of it. They wanted to buy this and see if they could do it there. And I guess they didn't. No, no wealthy people in the 60s had the money to help them. So they mm-hmm. didn't pass it. Okay. Are you interested in seeing pictures of John Kennedy Jr.? Sure, Jr. why not? Mm-hmm. Now this is for people who say, oh, I don't believe that he's really, he's really still alive. We're going to look at pictures. Who's that? Oh, that's little JFK Jr. Uh-huh. Saluting his father as the casket goes by. Yes. I remember that. Okay, you got Edward on the left. Uh, Carolyn down at the bottom. And her mother's uh, Jackie right there. And then the little, little JFK Jr., Standing in front of uh, Robert Kennedy and a couple of the Kennedy, Kennedy girls. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was. Now let's let's measure uh, age if we can. Uh, how old do you think that little boy is? Well, we know for certain. Well, he's a year he's younger probably, than me, so he was uh, probably uh, sixty-three. It's probably four years old. Well, yeah, we can we can measure. He was born in nineteen sixty. Right. So that's three plus then. From uh, three to uh, the nineteen uh, to November, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, anyway, going up to the year 
2000, that's uh, 40 years, and then 20. So mm -hmm. he's 60-some years old. So right. don't expect to see a young John Kenny Jr. Yeah, he's 62, actually. Yeah. Yes, okay. Who's that? That's JFK Jr. Uh, this is this this picture probably got forty seven million teenage girls all on Twitter. Look at I'll this. Bet. <laughs> I would dare say you would call this guy a hunk. Yeah, I bet you the girls did. So he got rewarded. Here's a. <laughs> The Sexiest Man Alive, 1988. I want you to know, I'm going to tell you the true story, and you're going to say, that can't be true. I heard about this, so I sent my picture in and to people and said, I want to be called the sexiest man in the, in the alive. And they, they wrote back and said, it's strange. Your, your application picture came in the day that we appointed him, so we'll make you number two. <laughs> I believe it, Ralph. Oh, good for you, David. Sometimes you can really be friendly, David. <laughs> That's it. But can you believe that? Uh-huh. Amazing. Here he is a little bit more still. Look at that. That's enough to make girls, even married women, fall, fall over themselves. Yeah, I bet. He's nothing but handsome. Okay, now let's start the story about why John Kennedy's alive. Okay, George Magazine. He started that, didn't he? Yes, there he is. So the uh -huh. question is, now notice, uh, people say, oh, you're giving a George Washington. No, he, he's got, she's got on Washington's clothing, which mm -hmm. means it's not Washington, and it's, it's got to be a woman. So right. it's got to do with George. It's got nothing to do with George Washington or a woman wearing clothing. It's got something to do with... Uh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Go ahead. Daniel Moynihan, Democrat Senator, New York. He's retiring. Mm -hmm. No scandal, no no alcoholism, no uh, heart attack. He says, I'm retiring. It's in New York. He's a Democrat Senator. Right. So what starts the process? John Kennedy, run for Senate, 2000. So John announces he's going to run for the seat. And suddenly someone else decides to run. Uh, Hillary Clinton to run as the Democrat to replace. But when she heard about that, that John was going to run, I can't beat him mm -hmm. in a Democrat primary. Well, wait a minute. To the conspiracy that made her husband president, she said this. Uh, Hillary Clinton promised this seat by the conspiracy that elected her husband. So she says, you better take care of that. To the conspiracy, yeah. <laughs> Hillary Clinton, furious. Remove the threat. So this, I'm sure this didn't happen in this way, but this is what happens. You get, you get introduced to men like this. Sunglasses <laughs> and say, Men in Black reminded John Jr. that they had assassinated John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Ted, Ted Kennedy nearly. His private airplane crashed. His pilot died. Teddy, Teddy survived and... 
this is the oldest brother of four. This is Joseph Jr. Kennedy. Oh, yeah. Operation, Operation Aphrodite, huh? Joseph oh, Kennedy okay. Jr., uh, August 12, 1944. He died uh, under very strange circumstances by a, re by a remote controlled airplane. That's very significant for Right. So Jr. says, wait a minute, I don't want to be number five. Mm -hmm. Joseph Kennedy Jr. rigged uh, in a con remote controlled B-24 in 1944 during World War II. They had exploded Kennedy's B-24. Joseph Kennedy Jr. killed by the Roosevelt. Hold on, let's, let's stop there and analyze that. How do I know that? The History Channel revealed that. John Kent, what they would, okay, here's, here's England, and here's, well, I don't know, maybe backwards where it is. Here's That's, France. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they were, they moved, the Germans moved into France and they set up their V2 rockets to keep, uh, V1 rockets to keep going boom, boom, boom into London. Right. Kennedy was up in the northern part with, a, with an Air Force B 24. He's a pilot. He was a Navy pilot, but assigned to an Air Force unit of B 24. So mm -hmm. they took his plane or a B 24, stripped it of all of the weight, filled it with explosives. And right. they said, what we want you to do, a volunteer, that's the official word, you, if you volunteer, you're going to fly it down from uh, uh, northern uh, England, down here, down to, to uh, London, and then fly across. And then when you get close to the, to the, uh, to the shore, we want you to, to flip a switch to arm the explosives. Which means it'll take a signal. It didn't wouldn't take a signal. If you got bumpy like this, it wouldn't explode. But you set a signal. So he's flying and, and you and I let's say are in in the helicopter watching this, and here comes the plane like this, and then it gets over here. And suddenly it explodes. Right. Hey Ralph, let me interject something. There's somebody out there that's gonna say helicopters didn't exist. You were just at that time. You're just using that as an example. Yes. Right. Okay. okay. We're up in an airplane, man. Okay. okay. A good thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. You have. You don't have to correct me, David. <laughs> I'm correcting other people. This point's well taken. It's an airplane. We're flying right. around. And, okay. Mm -hmm. Notice this. There was another airplane flying alongside like this, and I think he flipped the switch. Before Kennedy bailed out. Okay. Now, the book, the the video presented the evidence that the pilot of that other airplane that was to tr trigger it on and then guide it remote controlled into the into uh, uh, La Havre, I think it was, to drop that huge explosion to blow up all the V V one rockets they could. Uh huh. So. They identified him as Elliot Roosevelt. Interesting. Why would the son of Franklin Roosevelt want to kill Joseph Jr.? Daddy Joseph Sr. in 1932, as a fellow Democrat, the father of the four brothers. Joseph Kennedy. 
Yeah. He was he became wealthy not because he owned a steel mill or a railroad or a, a whatever it was, a car manufacturer, because he made it with the mafia. Frank Costello, he was importing Scotch and or English liquor liquor and giving it to the mafia, selling it to them, and then they bought it and distributed it. Mm-hmm. So Joseph Jr., this conspiracy feared that he could, with his wealth, could make Joseph Jr. president, and then John president, and then Teddy president, and then Bobby for 32 years. Wow. And they didn't like that because they couldn't control it. Daddy uh-huh. would control it. Wow. So, okay, Joseph Kennedy Jr. killed by the Roosevelts. John Kennedy killed by conspiracy. Teddy Kennedy, plane crash, pilot killed. Teddy survived. Bobby Kennedy killed by guard, not Sirhan Sirhan. Yes. So in other words, they've been busy killing off Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Little Junior said, I don't think that's for me. Right. Uh, Kennedy bought an airplane, learned to fly it, learned remote control, crashed it into the water. Um, I believe that. Here's when he, when he said it, told us. No, I didn't fly the plane into the ocean. From here's the beginning. And yes, George Bush killed my father. Wait a minute. What does he know? He identified somebody mm-hmm. as the killer of his father. Now, I, this is, I, we've already discussed this, I think, with the past with you. But I think what he did was he said, listen, if if they can get them, they can get me. Right. And I'm going to take me out mm-hmm. and hide until later. Quite but smart. Yeah. Read my lips. Well, that's, yeah, that's later. I'm sorry. I go mm-hmm. that's, that's George Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah. That's what the George magazine was published for. It's a little rib. Mm-hmm. I want you to know. I'm uh, watching you. <laughs> and I'm coming after you. Mm-hmm. Now, let's cover the story of whether or not he, he's real. Maybe you don't recognize him. Oh, that's Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh-huh, I sure do. He's an awesome he's guy. The, he's the son of Bobby Kennedy, who was killed by a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. He was on a podcast. <laughs> I knew what you're going to show. <laughs> Robert F. Kennedy, <clears throat> Bobby Kennedy's son, podcast. If John, F- he was asked the question: If John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive, scratch your nose. He scratched his nose and he smiled too. <laughs> so he, got, he went like this. He was able to read it underneath, like he, like this. He could read mm-hmm. it. So he's reading it and he goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, now, this is the first time we ever saw John Jr. as an adult. Right. Now, this was taken at a, a Trump rally. He seen you know, Trump was standing, and behind him were uh, 20 rows of probably 100 people in each, whatever it is, or 50. So it's three or 4,000 people behind him. So Trump turned around and faced the audience. And it just so happened he was eyeball to eyeball with with this man right there. 
Is that don't they call him Vincent Fusky or something like that? The one deal seven. Oh, okay. But what he did was this. He went down. I'm, I'm gonna do it myself. Um and, and I might be reversed in the camera, but he went like this to his arm. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. JR. Uh-huh. So he was telling the world who he really was. Now you say, oh, that that's some just like John doesn't even look like him. Yes, it does. Okay, that's John's wife up on the upper left. There. All right. There's there's John. Mm-hmm. If it's John, who's that woman right there? His Couple wife Carolyn. Rows, two rows ahead. Now let's see who that is. That's his wife. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a very different face. You know, it's it's not everybody that's got a face like that. I, I say it this way. I, I think I, I told you this enough. I, I really mean I joke about it. I all I watch country music. All of the blonde singers look alike to me. Mm-hmm. This woman is I think she's a beautiful woman. And that's she's right. instinctively blonde, a beautiful mm-hmm. and blonde. Now here's Junior, who's that? Donald Trump. You bet. They're good friends. They both live in in, uh, in uh, New York City or Manhattan. New York. Uh huh. There they are again, standing together. The return. It's got Trump and JFK Jr. Wow, that's a neat picture. Is that an original? What's that? That's, is that an original picture? Or is that something that somebody put together? Uh, that I don't know. I have to admit, I, I, I get these out from the internet, but but I'm trying to show you that it's part of the whole scene. Uh-huh. If you say, it's like saying the Bible: if one part's wrong, then the whole Bible's wrong. I right. don't care if one picture's wrong. I'm looking at the overall evidence. Right. That? Recent photo of John Kennedy Jr. Is there uh-huh. any doubt in your mind that that's a true picture of John Kennedy Jr.? No doubt whatsoever. He's very distinctive. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then here's <clears throat> and then one more after this. Well, we'll look at that little picture there. He's standing by someone. I don't know who the other man is. Uh-huh. That is him sitting yeah. in the White House. Because oh. he's working right now with, with uh, uh, Donald Trump to become regular for the presidency. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the latest picture of him. Yeah. Is that the same man? Yeah, he looks like a 62-year-old guy. Yeah. Yes. In other words, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. And he's functioning. Now, let's. we all hear about Donald Trump having the cue some sort of it's a it's a, a, a he types or someone types Q and then they number it Q fourteen fifteen and then fourteen sixteen fourteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. Where does the letter Q come from? Possibility. The gravesite, Arlington Cemetery. Robert Kennedy and John Kennedy's up there in the queue, or at the bottom of the queue. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's go. What do we see? We see a circle. And uh, that square down the bottom is where 
Kennedy's buried. John, John Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a front there, so you can stand or maybe put flowers or something. And mm -hmm. then there's this a grass off area where you can stand. They say a busload comes to see the grave. They can stand inside this circle. Right. Now let's follow that circle over there on, on this side. The yeah. tail on the queue. Yeah. yeah. And it goes around. And, oh, here starts over here. And then it goes like this. Uh huh. Robert Kennedy's grave. So it's got the queue, it's got something to do with possibly the Kennedy assassination and Bobby assassination. Right. So I think the whole thing's wrapped up that John Kennedy is alive. Now, I would dare say this. If he ever makes a circuit, comes out publicly and announces and they confirm it, the media covers it, this country is going to go gaga. Right. Because we grew up with this young man. Mm -hmm. And and he, we loved him as a little boy. We loved him when he was playing touch football with his shirt off in Central Park. We loved him when he was Donald Trump's friend. So I think this nation... The Democrats as well are going to, and then when he allies himself with Donald Trump, Democrats by the millions maybe are going to vote for Donald Trump because Junior's involved. Right. Okay, now let's change the subject and just have some pictures one at a time. Okay. Oh, that's Barack Obama bowing down to the, uh, the King Saud of uh, Saudi Arabia. Wait, wait, wait. When mm -hmm. I was a boy, little Ralphie learned we Americans don't bow to anybody except Jesus Christ. That's right. What's Barack Obama doing here? He's the president of the United States bowing. Mm -hmm. Now let's take another picture of the same man. And now who's bowing? Yeah, the king of Saudi Arabia. Do you understand what Jack Jackass Obama did for our, our nation? Yeah. He's saying, we do submit to you, Arabian prince or whoever this guy is. I uh, think he's the head of Saudi Arabia or something like that. He is. That. He's Prince Foud. Yeah. Say that again? I think his name is uh, was uh, King Foud. Okay, very good. I yeah. think it's the same guy. Yeah, it is. But who's, who's bowing this time? Yeah, the king is bowing to Donald Trump. Right. right. Okay, now, you don't know much about me, but when I was much younger, I, I joined the World Wrestling Federation and wrestled uh, as, as a wrestler. And here's the newspaper ad in the Tucson morning paper. Um, <laughs> okay. Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> What was my name? Uh, Ravishing Ralph Epperson. And I wrestled this guy, right? Yeah. Uh huh. And newspapers don't lie. Do you believe I was a wrestler? I bring you pictures. I, I, I doubt that that's you in that. Yeah. I mean, that's a picture of you, but you weren't a wrestler. <laughs> so the newspaper is lying. Okay, now this I can guarantee you, you've never heard before. And I don't think anyone has heard this before. But I'm not afraid. I'm going out on the limb. We're going to talk about how candidate, presidential candidates throw elections okay. to the other side. 
two of them. There is an unwritten rule in politics that you should never promise to raise taxes in your campaign or in your four-year term. Why? That's not proper of you. You get defeated. Yeah, exactly. Uh-oh. Now, let's take a look at this. George H.W. Bush, as president, intentionally through his next presidential election to Bill Clinton. Oh, no, you don't do that. Why would he? Well, we're trying to analyze why he did it. You remember this? Bush said, read my lips, no new taxes. I remember that. That's a, he said that, and everybody was joking. The comics were all having fun, read my lips. He was the president for one term. Right. In the third year of his four-year ter term, he raised taxes. Wait a minute. He said, read my lips, no new taxes. Yet he raised the taxes. Uh -huh. And he threw the election to Bill Clinton. Right. He intentionally did that. He uh -huh. knew the rule. That was a Democrat doing it. No, was it? I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm confused with it. But notice... That was an official act on his part. Sure. Read my lips. He went nationwide and it was a comic everybody remembered. And when he voted, uh, raised taxes, he's gone. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Ronald Reagan ran against Walter Mondale in 1984. During his acceptance speech at the Democratic National Convention, Mondale said this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. My opponent, meaning, of course, Ronald Reagan, will raise your taxes. He won't tell you. I will tell you. I will raise your taxes. Montel intentionally threw the election to Ronald Reagan. Uh-huh. In other words, they know the rule. It doesn't make sense. Whenever you see a, 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 a campaign ad, oh, yes, I'm going to I'm going to, as soon as you elect me, I'm going to raise your taxes 25%. And I'll do it because we need these services on you, buddy. Yeah, Wouldn't right. You know that? Uh, yeah, definitely. That is a rule. Mm -hmm. But these two men didn't do that. Mondale did it to the largest audience he would ever get. The whole Democratic convention and the time when he accepted the nomination. Yeah. He did that knowingly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, in other words, they play games with us, don't they? They sure do. Okay, now let's talk about Lyndon Johnson. Okay, let's here's from this little book. Okay. A Tex a Texan looks at Lyndon. Okay. And it was published in 19, uh, well, published in 1964. I just went on uh, uh, eBay and Amazon.com. This little book is selling for $200 now. Really? It, 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 was, it was published in 64 to tell us uh, conservatives and American people what this guy was. This is the election for 64. Mm hmm What Democrat Lyndon Johnson taught the Democrats of 2020 
Johnson was running in the Democrat primary runoff election for the Texas Senate seat against hardcore conservative Texas Governor Koch Stevenson. The final recount of the election showed that Stevenson had won by 113 votes. Suddenly, a Jim Wells County election official announced that the results had been re-canvassed. <laughs> And Johnson was now ahead by 87 votes out of the nearly 1 million votes cast. So Johnson won. I'm getting a history lesson here, Ralph. I like this. What Democrat Lyndon Johnson taught the Democrats of 2020. You read that. They, saw, they were listening in 2020, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Get Definitely. Away with it. You know, let's confirm that it's real. Fortunately for the cause, the cause for truth was the result. The result was changed, excuse me. But to prove that the recanvassing was not valid on August 20th, 1977, the man confessed that it was him that created the tally of, of the 200 county votes. Huh. So in other words, someone can have a deathbed confession. Right, right. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. He started his campaign. That was the beginning of his career to become president. And this is how Johnson became known as Landslide Landslide Linden (laughs) forever after. Source, a Texan looks at London, or at Linden, page 22 and others. Well, has this book told us something? Bill Ralphie bought this book in 1964. It was probably the third or fourth that I read, and I started to realize this is what's going on in our country. Wow. Okay, now let's take another little look at Lyndon Baby, okay? Now that we know he doesn't mind getting a crooked election. Can Uh you do something else? Yes. Hold on. Are you sitting down? Listen to this. Uh Uh-huh. This is in this book. Okay. A true story that shows us the character of Vice President Lyndon Johnson. February 17, 1961, Lyndon was at his ranch about 60 miles from the Austin airport, and his plane was in Austin. Now, notice he's, a, he's vice president now. He's mm-hmm. Ken, well, Kennedy. No, I'm sorry, he was not. Where was he? Was he vice president? Yes, he was. Yeah, vice- okay. Yeah, because the election would have been in 1960. That's correct. Yeah. Kennedy. Right, had him as vice president. So they, he was a vice president when right. this story happened. Well, uh-huh. This noble, great, big patriot loves his country and does what's right. This is, we got pictures. Mm-hmm. He called his two pilots and ordered them to bring the plane to the ranch. One of the pilots told Lyndon that the whole area was not safe to fly in because of a heavy fog and that the Austin airport advised them not to fly. Johnson exploded. Oh, wait a minute. They just told the pilot, the two pilots said, we can't fly the plane even 60 miles. Fog everywhere. And the people at the theater, at Austin Airport told him not to fly. Yeah, and it wasn't like today where they have VFR oh. and everything else, you know. Uh, what do you think I'm paying you for? Get the plane to the ranch. That's, took- I'm sorry, forgive me. I didn't put that in. That's Johnson speaking to uh-huh. the time that he's talking on the phone. Okay. 
They took the plane up. It crashed in a cedar-covered hill. Both pilots were killed. Oh, dear God. That's, that's complicity in murder. <laughs> now, let's look at the cover of the book again. That is Lyndon standing in the wreckage. Really? Now, you tell me to go and move backwards, up, down, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. It's an airplane crash. Huh. Wow. It is him. This book was written by Jay Everett. I, by the way, I got this book has been autographed. I met him uh, someplace in uh, some rally because I was working here. It is. That's his autograph. Oh, book. wow. Look at that. So I met him and talked and talked briefly. But this guy, when you read his background, this whole back cover is all about him. He, this is a well written book. Uh-huh. He didn't mince words, he knew he had to get as much information out as he could and make it small and I think the book sold for a dollar yeah price a dollar did he end up dying of uh, mysterious causes Ralph or I, I, at I, an I, early age in other words Johnson didn't sound like a good nice guy did he no uh-uh, not at he all. didn't mind getting a, a fraudulent election and he didn't mind killing his two pilots right get him here now I, I deleted the extemporaneous words in the middle about this. Get that plane up here. Uh-huh. Okay, what is this? It's a symbol for power. And what? Communism. Yeah, right. You look this up in uh, Google Images. Communist symbol of power. Yeah, the fist, the clenched fist up in the air. What's this? IRS symbol. What's his right wing doing? It's got like a hand up in the air. Well, I never, I never saw that before, Ralph. Yeah, the feather is up in the air like a clenched fist. Got a clenched fist. Uh huh. That sounds like he's the IRS is communist. Right. The IRS is is a is a uh, uh, tax collection agency. Karl Marx wrote, "From each according to his ability." From from to each according to his from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Right. The IRS takes gives to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Little Ralphie Epperson got into the news. Well, I tried. Our newspaper in Tucson, uh, the editorial cartoonist on the editorial page, is a man by name. I can't remember his first name, but it's, they call him Fitz. But it's Fitz Simmons, I think. This is a one of the uh, uh, editorial cartoons you drew. Did I say when it was? Yeah, fits. Mm-hmm. Up at the top. It oh, Tucson. Yeah. In the week today, there was a uh, uh, <coughs> 1994. Okay. okay. So describe what you see here first. I see a shoe shine kit, and it says twenty five cents for shines. Okay. Okay. The Republican answer to 115.7 million American children living below the poverty line. Mm, I don't know. Ralph, I did that when I was a kid. <laughs> you know. But are the Republicans doing this? No. Uh-uh. Little Ralphie tried to respond to this. The Democrat. <laughs> Karl Marx. I love it. 
the Democrat answer to 15.7 million American children living below the poverty line from each according to his ability. Please raise it up a little, Ralph. From each according to his ability to each according to his needs from page seven, capital and other writings. He didn't publish it. Mm -hmm. I went to, uh, years later, I went to Fitch. I said, I want to meet this guy because, you know, he's, he, we we would bring him to the breakfast club once a year or so. He's a very funny guy. I didn't mm -hmm. for that, but he's le left wing. I mean, left wing. Right. So I tried to talk to him because he went like this. So he was selling cattle, uh, uh, calendars uh, maybe in November, and you bought it, and it had each each page had one of his drawings of the birds or whatever it is. I went and sat down with this, and I showed him this. And this, and he said, "Well, I remember this." He said, "I tried to get him to publish it, but why didn't they do something?" Hmm. Is this really true? Is this a picture of the Republic? No, it's not. Mm -mm. Is this really true? The one with Karl Marx? Yes, it is. Mm. Publius, uh huh. Let's see if I got that. Okay, let's have a little levity. Well, uh, please go. Oh, Ralph, on. before we go on, you said that he claimed that he tried to get it published? That's what he told me. Huh. Sitting like this, face to face. And I said, why didn't they publish it then? Well, I tried. I believe that. Did you do, or are you being facetious? I, I, I don't know the man well enough, but I know this. He's hardcore. He's mm -hmm. on the cusp of being it. Okay, uh, this is a letter I wrote to my brother because he wouldn't write to me. And I was about 32 years of age. My name is Ralphie. I have a brother. I don't know his name. He never writes me. I have a snake. Snake, he looks like my brother. He never writes to me. Neither does my brother. I like to run and play. My brother chase. My brother chases girls. They don't write. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. They don't write. Up a little Ralph and back. Okay. Up some more back. But okay. They don't write to me either. Okay. I got it. Nobody writes to me. Will you write to me, David? Sure. Send you a bill. Uh, page two my mother makes me wear short pants I am 23 and a half I don't oops like short pants the boys laugh at my knees they don't write me either the end <laughs> okay what was oh, that all about <laughs> let's, let's talk a little about this this is the woman who ran against Carrie Lake at one of her flowers. Karen Taylor Rob Robeson. Okay. Yeah. And there's there's a picture of it. Mm -hmm. She's another blonde and gonna will be gonna win. This woman gave her campaign for governor of Arizona fifteen million dollars. Wow. Carrie, the winner, Lake, who was a was a 30-year-old, I'm sorry, 30-year uh, talking head in 
I presume probably many of the cheating states, or maybe one in Phoenix for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So she raised $6 million. So 15 against six, and Jerry Lake Beatty. Wow. I would dare say that the, the uh, campaign manager for this woman is not going to have a job ever again. $15 million, and he couldn't win the game. Now, she won. The first thing, as I was watching the returns come across the uh, on Fox News, uh, the 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 uh, state of Arizona has counties, and the counties are to count the ballots. Right. So here's the state. Oh no, it's just uh, the, the total total ballots in uh, percentage, and then over here whatever, and then uh, her was underneath. So she was way ahead, like fifty percent of the vote was in, and there was so what percentage of the vote was it counted? Twelve percent. So I said, wait a minute, Kerry's going to lose. But they were counting the ballots already. Uh, uh, like absentee? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So slowly but surely, after we got into the hinterlands, little Kerry started rising in. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. She was losing. And she won by 12,000 votes. Wow. My friend Jim said, by the way, the first thing Carrie said at one of these Trump rallies was the first thing she's going to do is blow the whistle on the count in Maricopa County. Really? Uh, the, the state, the Fox News had the state here like this, mm-hmm. the whole state. It was all red except the little box in the middle, which is Maricopa County. Right. And Carrie's. Jim said that they estimate she won by 100,000 votes. Really? So this guy that got the job, <laughs> I don't think he's going to ever be a campaign manager again. <laughs> Do you want to know about what happened at uh, Capricornic? Sure, let's go into it. Do you think your, your, your losers would like to know? Of course. I got a very informed and very intelligent audience. Well, I'm sure they think after the brilliance of my letter about no one writing me, they're going to think I'm a genius. <laughs> uh, by the way, Teddy was not driving the car that went off the bridge at Chappaquiddick. Mary Jo Kopechny was driving the car by herself. Wait a minute. That's not true. The media said it was Teddy driving the car. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. So, something wrong. Well, let's start from the very beginning. This is what they call the, the, the cottage. Chappaquiddick Cottage. Eight married men, no wives, eight single girls. Wait a minute. Kenny Kennedy and seven married men. She, he's married. Mm-hmm. And eight single girls show up in, eight, eight, in a cabin. Little, tiny little cabin someplace. Huh. Now, there were, there were, there were uh, races. A Kennedy uh, has a sailboat. And they were, he was racing others, I'm sure he made me want, I don't know. So they all said, afterwards, come here and we'll join and we'll have a party. And, and so here's the, uh, here's a, a drawing of the map. Let's see if we can do this. Okay, let's see. You got the road and um, well, that, you, got, you got Kennedy left the house party uh, as number one. 
And it's a... The blue is uh, number one. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's start to hear. This is the cottage. Right, right. So you go up this road. Right. Came to a junction. Made it right on the dirt road. And if we'd gone this way, if you go to the... Uh, uh, the ocean. Yeah. yeah well, to the ferry. To the ferry. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we turned to the right. And went over the bridge at Chappaquiddick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Car left the bridge. Yeah. The problem was, while they were parked here, mm-hmm. around here, they're on this, this side there. So that, that's the right, well, I got them. I'm sorry. That's okay. I tried, I should have a, well, anyway, let's say, this is, this is a, uh, 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 a, a funeral uh, a cemetery. So this, yeah, okay. If you want to play little games and close to the cottage, and you get Mary Jo to go with you, and you've been busy with her before, and mm-hmm. she was one of the ones you wanted to be there. So she left the car, the, the, the cottage, forgot her purse, whatever mm-hmm. else. She had, right. Gets in the car with Teddy Bird, and Teddy Bird. In the cottage to the junction, yeah. Well, there's a policeman stop. I don't have that here, but the policeman, the sheriff stops over like here, or he's driving and he stops and he sees the two people over here. Or whatever. I'm sorry, I, I can't see it, but I think this is the, the yeah, field. that's the crossroads right there where the two roads uh, join. Yeah, so Teddy, Teddy says, Mary Joe, get out. Here's the keys to the car, get out of here. Take off and go to uh, go this. Take go. They're there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Take okay. And go this way. Make a left and take the ferry. That's okay. The, no. Go. I'll go to the right and go over the bridge. Right. Okay. No, I'm very sorry. It, it's a the bridge. Yeah, the, the ferry boat is a paved road. This is a Right, the dirt route. Uh-huh. So, words, if you leave the cottage, you go this way to the ferry. If mm-hmm. you leave this, you go over a dirt road, and right. there's a bridge over here. Uh huh. And he told Mary Jo to drive the car. Mary Jo is five foot two. Teddy's maybe six feet. All right. She's like this. So she gets into the car, starts it as fast as she can. Because they don't want to get caught with his pants down. Right. And so Mary Jo took 35 miles an hour. Here's the bridge. The bridge had a little two by four, a four by four. Um, no, no posts like this. Right. And you drive at five or six, eight miles, 35 miles an hour, like this. And the car turned over. Mm-hmm. Adam, that leaves one guy still there. Right. Teddy said, well, you know, oh, he'll come back. Because mm-hmm. the, the sheriff left. He thought, well, they were, they were, maybe the car, I thought maybe the car had stalled on them or they fell asleep or been robbed. So mm-hmm. I'll go there and find out what it is. And they saw him and she, Teddy said, take the keys, get out of here. So she took the car. She drove a Volkswagen. 
Mm-hmm. You can see all the hood. Oh, little bug, yeah. Uh-huh. You drive a car like this automobile, it's a big thing. You can't even see over the hood. She probably right. saw the bridge. Hmm. Now, little Teddy waits and waits and waits maybe half an hour. So where's Mary Jo? Come on back, Mary Jo. You're supposed to be picking me up. So he walks here back to the cottage. Right. And they say, what's going to happen? Something happened. He got here. There was a second car. I guess they brought people in and maybe they all met at the same time or waited to five or six or two cars because Teddy had his own car and there was a, a Valiant rented. So there were two cars. Teddy took the holes and left. And so they got, they, they got into Teddy's car, drove down and found the car upside down, but it was at an angle like this. This was the trunk, which means there's an air pocket back here. Right. And the, the, it was his cousin and his lawyer went with the three of them went to the bridge. The, the, the cousin has written a book and I tried to find it, but I couldn't. I don't remember the title. I don't even know how to find it. I know the name. But he said that the third guy was scuba trained and he dove into the thing and found Mary Jo clenching the back of the, of the seats or something or something holding on like this and she was dead. Mm-hmm. So it took half hour, to get, maybe more than half hour to, to find out that because he had to walk back. So Teddy, in his book, he said Teddy got on the bridge and rolled around. Oh, why? Why did? What's this Kennedy curse all about? Why does it always happen to the Kennedys? And he's rolling like a child on the thing. What am I going to do now? He, 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 the partner or lawyer told Kennedy she's dead. What do I do now? So they decided, listen, this is what we'll do. We'll go back to the cabin. Don't say a thing. And you take off and go to the to across the ferry boat. And then stay in the motel and get on the phone to see what you get some advice for you. Right. About noon the next morning, he calls the sheriff and mm-hmm. says there's an accident. And they check out and they get a scuba diver who's the who's for the island who knows the bridge and the the tidal waves and they're swimming around there. He dove in and found her dead. They got her out and they found out that that if he had been there within half an hour, he could have gone around. Really? So Teddy's waiting for her. She's dying. He didn't go down to Vietnam to see what happened. He waited. Hmm. Now, Teddy really? was up against the creek. This is leaving the scene of an accident because I was driving. I'm sorry. And I, I was able to get out and I, and I got on, I walked to I walked back, whatever it was. So he he decided that the judge ruled that a vehicle match match out and he gave him probation. Don't do that anymore, Teddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Kennedys were do pretty well anything they wanted in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. You know, not not get, have to pay the price for it. Okay, let me take the ship there. I start singing. I'll join you. you. <laughs> I think they'll. See, I've got my Arizona State 
Crap. Oh, get put that turn it turn the Arizona's here. <laughs> Actually, it's an RB. It's an RB's cup. <laughs> let me. I would dare say not one person. Oh no, no, say a small percentage of the people in this country know what it means to be energy independent and energy non-independent. Right. I'm going to show you what happens when we go from independent to non-independent. Okay. Let's just say that we are now energy independent. Mm-hmm. Means, okay, go ahead. Energy independent, gallon of gasoline, $5, pay the station. He buys a hamburger. 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 And he buys a hamburger, etc. That's the joy. The money repeats itself over and over and over again. Uh-huh. Now it's doing the same thing, and we're now energy dependent. We get our on our hands and knees and get down and beg the. the Okay, energy dependent. Gallon of gasoline, five dollars. Pays the foreign nation. How many? How many buy a hamburger? Nobody. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's called a drain on America. Right. Because the next gallon of gas, you got to reach in the other pocket to get it out. Right. That is the most absurd thing. But do you understand that? We've all got to understand that we've got to, we've got, I've got two books I just read called maybe a couple of years ago. The oil in the earth is there, put there by God. It's yeah. not deep. Mm-hmm. And you've got to drill to get it. And when you do, it comes out without any chemicals in it. It's pure oil. You can take it right now to the refinery, get a gasoline, kerosene, whatever, it's fuel, you know. Right. It's not dinosaurs. The earth regenerates it all the time. Thank you very much. Right. Now, this might not be fun. I'm very serious. And maybe people do not, do not want to know this. So I'm telling you, in fact, if you are offended by the truth, a serious truth, I want you to t- turn it down and look the other way until we come back and finish this. Because we're going to read Dr. Fauci. Ooh. Yeah. Dr. Fauci in August 20 uh in the August 22nd 2005 edition of Virology Journal, the official publication of Fauci's National Institute of Health. Chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS, coronavirus infection and and spread. Chloroquine has a strong antiviral effect on SARS COVID infection. These inhibitory effects are observed when the cells are treated with the drug, either before or after exposure to the virus. That means that chloroquine and its even milder derivative, hydroxychloroquine, <laughs> it doesn't want to pay attention. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. That means that chloroquine, up, up Ralph, um, and its even milder derivative, hydroxychloroquine, will not only treat a case of coronavirus, but prevent future cases. And can you move it up again, Ralph? Okay, Fauci has known that there is a cure for the coronavirus since 2005, 17 years ago. Wow. Now, if he knows that, 
Why did he come up with the vaccine? Because he's he's uh, invested in the vaccine. Would you call that murder? Yes, I would. I'd call it genocide. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? This man should be on the guillotine. Yeah. That is called murder. This is official. He wrote this. It's his National Institute. Maybe he didn't write, but someone wrote it, and he he published it. Wait Mm -hmm. a minute. If this works, you use it. Right. A million people, I don't think a million died, because if the guy had bronchitis and bad, bad got COVID, he was died of COVID. So the, maybe half a million died. But if that's 500 million people, 500,000, wherever the number is, right. those people did not have to die because hydroxychloroquine would cure it. Right. Cure it. Uh-huh. Cure it. Now, I'm sorry, this gets me offended. I don't blame you. It pisses me off, too. This is something that's got to be met. We've got to take this man on and try him and charge him. Tell right. us what you meant when it was a cure and why didn't you use it? Right. Well, he was a he was a puppet of the drug companies of the New World Order. And he um I'm afraid he got a lot of well, he had a lot of money invested in China, right, Ralph? In uh in some of the um some oh what is it, the uh the gloves. He he had investments in a glove company over there, a mask company, um, a couple other companies that had direct ties to uh, equipment, PPI equipment for uh, for hospitals and stuff. So now, since we just got controversial, let's do it really up well. All right. Wall Street and the rise of Hitler. Ooh. Okay. All right. Uh, Here is the incredible story of, pull it back a little rough, of the American financiers who provided the money and material Hitler used to launch World War II. Oh, my God. I got to get that book. There's the man that wrote it. I can't see this because I've got uh, the whole book open. Yeah, I'm, I'm I see. Uh huh. You got to raise raise it up and turn it to your left. Move it to your left. There you go. I see his picture. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I I had the occasion once to call him about it, my story about the missiles, and uh, I said, Doc, I don't know. He, he worked at the Stanford University. There was a uh, somebody endowed it, and he was the man that ran it or something. So he might not have been a PhD. So right. I said, Mr. Sutton, I said, I, w- I want to be honest with you. He knew who I was, he said. Really? I said, I know who you are. Thank you for going. So I said, I want to say this, Mr. Sutton. I've read every book you've written. There's been a dozen of them. And I said, you have done more to help this nation and do it wisely with documentation by going to the various nations involved and the various corporation papers, because this guy proved something. Now, this is not going to be fun. In fact, the next couple now might not be fun. Okay. But we can take voucher. We can take this. 
Standard Oil, <clears throat> Standard Oil, owned by the Rockefellers, wealthiest man in the world in the 30s. IG Farben, largest chemical manufacturer enterprise in the world. Farben made Farben made the. It's German. Did I say yeah. German? It's German. Okay. Yeah, they made the Zyklon B for the gas chambers. Now let's go slow and okay. analyze this. Prior to World War II, Germany had no oil, but it had abundant coal. Standard Oil created the technology to convert coal to gasoline. Wow. Oh my God. That's something important. Yeah, it is. Now, what did he do with it? He said, I ain't going to give it to you, Hitler. No way. Standard Oil transferred the technology to IG Farben. Oh, Wait really? Wait a minute. In the 30s. Why would they do that? Well, because he can make money off of it, I'm sure. War war makes money. Mr. Sutton said this. Page 33. Page 33, incidentally. Uh, Without the transfer of this technology, there wouldn't have been no Adolf Hitler and no World War II. Wow. Wow. Do you understand? That's quite a charge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's true. He proved it. He went to IG Farben and Standard Oil and got the papers. Wow. Now, there was only a small cost. I mean, that's for a little war. Who cares? You fire a couple of shots and go home, right? Yeah. The cost of World War II, 53 million dead. There would have been no war if Standard Oil did not transfer the technology because Germany had no gasoline. Right. Wow, that's amazing. We created the technology to convert it, coal to gasoline. Mm -hmm. Would you like that? Would you be interested in that, Mr. Hitler? Right. What makes these people function like this? It's the money. It's the money, Ralph. It's the money. They look past. There's no cost for human life in their eyes. Okay, that's a, that's the that's the beginning of it. Right. So that they they then can do that, so that we end up with this. Right. Right. This, let's do this one as well. Let's talk about Russia as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. The best enemy money can buy. Anthony C. Sutton, same guy. Yeah, wow. Same guy. 1986. The best enemy money can buy. Anthony C. Sutton, 1986. There's no such thing as Soviet technology. Almost all, perhaps 90 to 95% came directly from or indirectly from the United States and its allies. I believe that. I do. Please don't believe it. You know it's real. Mm -hmm. In effect, the United States and its allies have built the Soviet Union 
and industrial, its industrial and its military capabilities, page 200 through 201. Mr. Sutton actually named names. Ooh. 166. U.S. firms trading with the Soviet Union in 1960 to 85, period. Now, see if you recognize a couple of these. I'm sure it's been Sam's hamburger stand, right? <laughs> right. Uh, the uh, drive-in cleaner. Raul's taco stand. Bechtel, Yes. Boeing, yes. Chase Manhattan Bank, Ford Motor Company, GMC, General Dynamics, General Electric, Gulf Oil, Hewlett Packard, and Honeywell. Oh, my goodness. Those are all in the book, Ralph? Huh? Those names are all in the book? Yes. Wow. He names them all of them. See, this is the kind of guy, this guy, he did this, dug this out. Uh He's brilliant. International Business Machines, Kaiser Aluminum, Lockheed, Monsanto, Pratt & Whitney, RCA, Raytheon, Sperry Rand, Standard Oil, and Xerox. That sounds like... <laughs> so, yeah, it's Fortune 500. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Let's say these people have factories over there and railroads and dams and skyscrapers and... Uh, uh, truck building, truck, you know, car uh, plants. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and suddenly the, uh, uh, Khrushchev war declares war on, on the United States and they, uh, they blow, uh, the United States retaliates. What's going to happen to all those buildings and dams and, uh, electric, hydroelectric places and railroads and things in Russia? Uh, they're just going to continue to thrive. They're not going to think because America nuked them. Oh, okay. I got you. Why would they want to do that? Why would they allow Khrushchev to do that? I have no idea. Think about it. They're not stupid. These people are they're very wise. They've got their fingers in the business of Russia. Uh-huh. They own it. Right. So when Dave, when Ronald Reagan went to the wall, and stood there with the microphone in his mouth, and there were thousands and a hundred thousand people in front of him. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Gorbachev did it. Why? Because of these companies. The businesses. Right. Now, they have also got factories in America. Right. So they don't want Russia to nuke America either. Right. There's never going to be a nuclear war. Never. Ralph, you're saying that that it's not really uh, mutual assured destruction. It's preservation of commerce. Well, that's what they do. But yeah. they, they want us to believe there's a nuclear threat. A right. threat. And that's what we're talking about. The nuke, that the jerk of the and where is in, in China. I'm going to shoot you down. In fact, I'll blow you up or send a missile. And he didn't do anything with him either. Uh-uh. Pelosi got in. Uh, even the son went, Pelosi's son went there, Air Force One. Right. Huh. Amazing. It really is. How many of you believe these businesses want a nuclear war with Russia? What would you guess? Zero. Mm-hmm. Now, 
one firm who has never traded with Russia. Okay. Publish press. Oh, okay. Your press. Uh huh. I know better. Right. I could never, I couldn't even let them. Well, maybe I could let them sell my book if they didn't translate, mistranslate it. Right. Okay. Here. Okay, here we go. This is a test of, my gosh, we're going to finish this in two hours. The two o'clock, where are we? Where, we started at two. It's only been an hour and a half, Ralph. I know. And I'm running out of things to talk about. <laughs> That's great. This, this is a please don't laugh. This is this is a tragic picture of my great great grandpa. Got involved with a gunfight, and so someone was there. This picture's color. I took it and had it blown up into uh, uh, color by the uh -huh. computer to show that it. To, I said. This this picture grieves me a great deal to know that my great my great great grandfather got involved with a gunfight. <laughs> Grandpa for, forgetful Epperson, May twenty eighth, eighteen eighty two, Tucson, Arizona Territory. He was at the OK Corral, huh? No. Oh, Tucson. That's right. It wasn't Tombstone. What do you see? I see a guy with no guns and a no gun belt <laughs> fighting a guy with a gun. <laughs> well, you never see sometimes aren't very bright. <laughs> That's pretty good, Ralph. <laughs> I I had this. I I went there. Um, Tucson, old Tucson, is a theme park. There was a movie Arizona way back in 1940. Uh. They built Adobe. Blocked. They hired all the Indians in the area to take a straw and, and mix it up with uh, uh, mud. Make adobe. Yeah. And yeah. They let it dry and then they take it, build buildings. And they built a whole city of Tucson, the moon is nice. called Arizona. Well, that thing sat there for years and years. And finally, um, some guy says, I can make, a, 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 make this into a theme park and get them still making Hollywood movies come to Tucson. Uh -huh. so, and you could go there and, and uh, ride the uh, uh, train around and get stagecoach and talk to the people. So it was great fun. And uh, so uh, the uh, unfortunately, uh, they, they they invited all of their, they have, you, you pay one advance fee to get in. So it covers, it's like $20, let's say. And you get all the rides, all the shoot them up gun rides. So they put out gunfights. So one guy here comes out and shoots the other, and then they pop, pop, and shoot. And then so you can watch that. So they took everyone that's ever worked there they could find and said, "Come to Altus." Out there, maybe thirty or forty of these old guys still wearing beards, but they put on their costume, and that's who this guy was. He was one of them. This guy over here. Ah, okay. So I, I went up to him and said, "Would you do me a favor?" I said, "I'm going to draw." And there was another guy over here. He's got the picture, but he's looking like over here. He was twirling his rope, you know, like I just said. Oh, Lasso, yeah. Lasso. And he looks at me, he says, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong. I said, that's the purpose of the picture. Let me, let me shoot it. 
Okay. Today's lesson in irony. The food stamp program is administered by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They proudly report that they have distributed free meals and food stamps to over 44, excuse me, 46 million people on an annual basis. Meanwhile, the National Park Service, run by the U.S. Department of the Interior, asks us, please do not feed the animals. Their stated reason for this policy being that the animals grow uh, dependent on the handouts and they will never learn to take care of themselves. This concludes today's lesson. Any questions? <laughs> so true. What is welfare? Well, it's uh, it's it's the, the the teeth of the government, basically. What's the difference between charity and welfare? I'll let you answer that. Force. Ah, yeah. Charity. Ring the doorbell. I'll make up a little story. Uh, Saturday morning, I'm inside working. Ding, ding, ding. Guy stands the door back. He said, listen, I got Cat Badger. I'm with the Salvation. I'll say Salvation Army. We're raising money for the poor. Would you be willing to donate? Well, I said, things are a little tight. I'll tell you what, I'll give you $10. If I reach him, I want to give you $10. He leaves. A couple hours later, ding, ding, ding. Uh, I'm with the county. I'm raising money for the poor. Would you be interested in donating? Well, I, I just gave ten dollars. I don't have any more. I said yes, you do. Uh Yeah. Exactly. You got a nice house and a car. I want twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Who are you? I'm the welfare department. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Isn't that true? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. true. Let's say that I, I after that happens, this was a, a man with a gun. I have a badge from the welfare department of the United States government. He goes down a couple of doors from me, and I call the police. I was just robbed by this man with a suit and a, and a gun, and there he is right there. Uh-huh. Let's go down, down to the bedroom and say, "Here's this. Who goes to jail?" You do probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. not not the sheriff. Mm-hmm. If the first guy robbed me. He goes to jail, not me. Right. Charity? Yeah. What's wrong with welfare? Welfare makes the government into God, if you think about it. Yep. There have been generations of people living on welfare since Johnson started it in the 60s. Yeah. Is that a moral concept? No. Mm-mm, it's immoral. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it really called stealing? Sure it is. What did Mark say? From each, according, according to his to ability, $20, to each, according to their need, right. $20 to the working. Now, cities are starting to build homes for the homeless. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. I can't afford that. I bought my home. I can't afford to buy other homes. Right. Why should I buy them? When I was a met a couple once, they, they went like this. I went like this to the children. 
I said, here's, here's, you know, I got my arms together like this. I said, here's life. We're here. You've got a choice. You can go this way, you can go that way. This is the right way to go, and this is the wrong way. If you go this way, that's evil, and you're going to go to jail. Right. You can't go that way because there's a price to pay. If you go this way, there's no price except freedom. Mm. You better start learning the difference between those two things. Right. Because if you keep choosing this, your life ain't going to be fun. Exactly. And you're going to end up on the street, mm -hmm. living in a tent, and shooting drugs, and then asking me to buy, pay you uh, welfare and build you a house and put mm -hmm. lights in. Right. Something's wrong. Exactly. There's no longer the very thing that, that uh, uh, Anne Rand talked about people who don't produce are asking those of us who do produce. Right, right. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. Uh huh. Something's wrong. Exactly. Welfare's got to end. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what to do with these people that are living here. I would the only thing the only thing I can say is that if we abolish welfare, we'll get money back, and then we'll have a charity drive. How many of you want to donate? The first guy, please. I got a badge, and I want you to give as much as you can afford to help the homeless. That's my decision. Right. How much I can afford. I know how much money I got. So how much my house cost me, my mm -hmm. rent, my food, well, you know, the lights, everything else. I right. can put ten bucks, and that's it. Uh huh. I agree. I'm sorry, but you should have figured that out. And if you didn't, I can't afford to take care of you. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly, Ralph. And the more that they keep taxing me, the less I'm able to take care of myself. Uh huh. Something's wrong. It's called communism. You bet it is. Yep. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. That's called welfare. Right. Now, when, last time I was on the air with, with you, we talked about Venezuela. What right. did they do? They tried socialism, and they're going to take and give, and they went bankrupt, and millions of people are starving today. They're going to they're going to garbage dumps looking for food, and yes, yeah, they, they grab the bag, empty it out, and take it and sell it. Right. That's terrible. Okay, this, this is good. Donald Trump outfoxed the the, uh, the Senate and the House. Uh -huh. It was brilliant. Uh, not, uh, not, uh, Donald Trump, I said. Right. Let's go slow with this. When you realize that Trump just got you to attend. Look at me. Look at the enthusiasm, baby. Yeah. Look at that. I'm looking at the papers and wait. Oh, yeah, I don't want to hear this. Rush Limbaugh's award ceremony. <laughs> it was during the State of the Union address. Uh -huh. Rush was up in the top. They brought him downstairs, and these geniuses said, thank you, Rush, for what you're doing to help our country. Look at Nadler right in the middle of this. Yeah, Nadler. Yeah. yeah, the one on the left, too, is kind of uh, interesting. Uh, what was his name? Schiff. Yeah. 
and the women are all wearing white. That was significant too. I don't remember what that was all about, but that's hilarious. <laughs> Pretty good, Ralph. Ralph, you still there? Uh-oh. Ralphie, you there? Uh-oh, I lost Ralph. I lost Ralph. Perhaps he'll come back. I hope he comes back. Maybe I'll call him and tell him he's not on. <laughs> okay, hold on, folks. I'm going to try to get a hold of Ralph and let him know that he disappeared. But he unplugged his phone, so I don't know if he's going to answer. Gaming with it. I'm trying to get back on, so just hold on. Okay, I'm I'm here waiting for you. Stop here if you want to stop it, you can. No, no, I'm going to keep it going. I'll just kind of mosey on, and and when you get back, you get back. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to hang up and entertain the folks. Okay. All righty. All right, folks. He knows what's going on. He's trying to get back on, and I have every reason to suspect that he will. Ralph's a very determined individual. So what do you think so far? He's hit a lot of subjects here. He's talked about he's talked about abortion, JFK Jr. still being alive, Edward Kennedy and Chappaquiddick, uh, energy independence versus energy dependence, uh, the snake Dr. Fauci, Industrial U.S. versus Russia industrial and how they're alike, akin, related. (laughs) And welfare equals poverty. And it's part of the communist system. So I like Ralph. He's a really good educator. He's a very intelligent man. Extremely intelligent. And you see my dog laying down here? He's an extremely intelligent dog. Um, There's no comparison with him and ralph of course but he's a good boy and i love him and uh so anyway yeah this this went interesting so far because i didn't know that we were going to go into so many subjects but you know i like whenever anybody's on our show i just give them free reign you know go for it and i'm glad ralph's taking advantage of that um abortion jfk jr jfk jr is uh that he's still alive has always fascinated me and you know one other thing that's fascinated me too as my chair sinks slowly into the west um is the fact that um as you were talking oh yeah the fact that donald j trump happens to know everything before it happens how can that be huh unless he's been there before right or unless he's had somebody that comes from the future and lets him know what's going on. This chair is getting progressively worse. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on the floor pretty soon. Let me um, let me make an adjustment, folks. Okay, that's better. Okay, so there has been some speculation that uh, President Trump is a time traveler. And if you've read, uh, there's some books that were printed in the late 1800s that um, 
Baron Trump's Great Adventures and uh, and a couple of other books that seem to suggest that uh, uh, Donald Trump may be a time traveler because Baron Trump was in those books. And uh, so if he is a time traveler, has that ability. Now, uh, one thing that we have to remember is that his uncle, uh, John Trump, um, was handed um, the uh, basically a lot of Tesla's papers when Tesla, after Tesla died, and he just told the government, from what I understand, he just told the government, hey, this is nothing. It's junk. Just throw it out. Well, they left everything with him, according to what I've heard. And if they did, and he had time travel um, plans in there, you know, uh, schematics or whatever, um, then Donald Trump would be, have the ability to do that. So maybe he was able to, um, when he was younger, go into the future and see what happens. And he would see everything that they tried to do before they do it. Uh, recent case in point being that he basically used the uh, FBI who stormed his house the other day. He used them to uh, to promote him because so many people saw the injustice that happened when the FBI went in there that um, they uh, they decided, hey, this is this is garbage. This has gone too far. This is an organization that is uh, is a loose cannon and we can't have that. So if they're after Trump, I want him in office. So anyway, I'm going to wonder if I should call Ralph again. Whoa. Okay. Let me try Ralph again and see what's going on. Oh, maybe Ralph's trying to call me. I don't know. He asked me if I wanted to stop it. I don't know how to do that with... uh, with zoom or any other program for that matter i wonder if he forgot to hang up when i huh oh well well i'll go a little while longer if he doesn't come back on we'll have to uh just end the show and we can finish anything that we had started uh at, at another time maybe next wednesday or something uh sorry about the the mix-up folks it's just that uh, we were supposed to be on a Wednesday and Ralph had a, there was a monsoon coming towards him and uh, he knew that the sound from the thunder would be bad and, and also that the uh, the lightning might be coming pretty close. And when you start dealing with lightning and being on with electronics, you know, you just better shut everything off until it passes by at least an hour or an hour or two hours till it all passes by. Um, I've heard of people getting struck by lightning an hour after the storm was gone. <laughs> um so, you know, it's, it's a wise idea to, to shut everything down. And that's what we did. And so we came back, you know, we're doing it today, uh, Friday, and um, we'll, we'll go from there. But um, let me try it again, okay? I think that Ralph left the connection open, and I can't call him. So, anyway, um, let's, let's just wrap things up, because I don't think Ralph will be coming back on. Um although he's trying pretty hard. Um, I will just go a few more minutes and uh, kind of round it up. I don't know how long we've been on. We've been on uh, an hour and 45 minutes. So maybe I'll just go to the next 40, 15 minutes and we can just uh, discuss what we've heard today. Well, discuss. It's going to be, whoa. Accepted your contact request. Okay. Well, let's go, Ralph. Okay. Well, we're still on. I know that. 
I'll invite him again, see what happens. We'll be ending it pretty soon anyway, so. Um, oh, something happened. The screen just kind of moved kind of weird. I thought maybe he was coming on anyway. Um, yeah, the, the thing with Chappaquiddick has always stunk on ice as far as, oh, my goodness. I think we're getting Ralph back on. Ralph, you got to turn your, if you can hear, oh, okay. He turned, hey, there he is. I don't know what I did. Uh, uh, I have a feeling it was me by moving my, my mouse. It, it flipped off. Yeah, that's okay. No, you, you froze for a little while and then you, you went off. So I, yeah, I figured you'd, we'd figure it out. And we got about another 15 minutes, well, 12 minutes, Ralph. I'm so. sorry. Let, let's, let's, Let's 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 do this. Let's take. Oh yeah. Well, let's twelve minutes. Yeah. Oh, I want to do this. I'm going to take take. uh, You and I talked about uh, the three coincidences I've had in my life. Uh huh. Would you mind my sharing that story with your listeners? Oh, I think the listeners would like would love to hear that. I'm going to rearrange my chair here. Hold on a second. It's sinking slowly into the West. <laughs> Go ahead, Ralph. Let me let me start with uh, uh, we got twelve minutes. I'll try to that's it. Okay, uh, little Ralph Everson uh, lived in Tucson, Arizona. I went to the U of A, got out of high school, went to U of A, and then moved to L.A. And then the company transferred me to Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. So I'm now ensconced in Oakland. Uh, working I'm for an insurance company. I don't sell insurance. I help underwrite it. I'm an underwriter. Okay. I'm the guy that decides which one gets, which company gets insurance and at what cost. So I'm minding my own business. And suddenly it dawns on me, I'm 29 years old and I'm not married. I said, wait a minute. I want a, a wife, uh, 2.7 children, 1.5 dogs. And I want a, a white picket fence and a covered ivy and a station wagon. So as soon as I start thinking that, less than two weeks later, it's an it's a intersection like this. I'm in the southwest corner and the second building in. It's a hamburger stand. And then it says in Pacific Indemnity Insurance in, in big letters on the top of the building. It's okay. a one-story building. So now, Ben, my my friend, we he likes to live. We get out and we walk up the street, across the street, into this corner over here, and then we cross that corner and we walk into this savings and loan. Now, Ben, Ben, it's not that there's only one lady behind the counter, but there's a you walk into a car for a tile, and then there's a a place to stand, and then the lady comes up with his house. So Ben goes up there, he's eight feet in front of me, examine my business, and I don't know what he's doing. I don't think he's robbing the bank, he's doing something. <laughs> so it takes a few minutes. Now, behind the counter, there's uh, the lady, a carpet, and then a desk facing this way. In other words, it's, uh, I can see both sides. There's chairs looking like this. Uh-huh. So I then there's a wall behind this desk, not very big, carpet, and then 
there's a desk facing this way and a desk facing that way. And there's a wall. And then the wall ends and there's carpet, which means you can go behind the wall. And that's where they have a cot for the ladies who want to lay down and get a pop out of the machine and maybe keep your food in there. So suddenly from behind the wall comes this. And I see this most magnificent brunette I've ever seen in my life. Uh -huh. I just said, don't forget, I got to start thinking about this. I'm turning on. She walked towards me. She's busy, not didn't pay any attention. She walked sideways. I got a profile of her. And she went on the other side and sat, moved the desk out, the chair out, and sat down and was working with papers. So Ben finally got finished. She turned and I'm walking out. And I said, Ben, that's the woman I'm going to marry. I didn't think that. I just said it. Wow, that's amazing. I never said, well, yeah, she's, but I saw this young woman. Well, she was probably, uh, I'm 20, she's later on 25, so she's within my time. So she sat down. We walked, Ben said, well, I'll introduce you. Well, I said, no, 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 Ben, please understand. <laughs> that's, that's, she's a 27 and I'm a six. I don't go up there until I'm ready. I'm trying to be a 10 at least. Right. No, no, come on, Ralph. I said, we walked out. So I used to walk by bankers, walk the same way, and next door to her savings and home was my bank. And I walked by and looked at the windows and I'd see, oh, God, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta go talk to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm Ralph Emerson Nerdface, you know. So finally, <laughs> but, yeah, I know. You think, I'm not kidding. I had no self confidence with None me. at all. Uh -huh. I already dated. I'm 29 years old. So, I'm inside the office one day around lunchtime, I guess, or get better. And Ben's five, six rows over. Come on over, Ralph. So I got up and walked over. He hands me the phone. I should have took it. Hands me the phone. Hello? Hello? I said, I I'm sorry. I don't know who I'm talking to. Uh, this is Sherry. I said, Sherry, I don't, I don't think he's back. Well, I'm the girl at the savings and loan. I said, oh, God, I'm going to say, oh, my God. So I stuttered and stammered. So I said, finally, I said, listen, uh, I'll make it brief because you're at work and I am as well. I said, I, I only saw you for a few minutes. But I, I could see that you had control of your life. You were happy. You were dressed appropriately and well-dressed and, and propped and heavy hairs in place and makeup. I said, I would, I would be most envious to take you out to dinner. Well, she said, I can't because I'm engaged. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> so we're talking. I said, well, listen, I said, it looks to me like you should deserve a, a happy marriage. And may I wish you that. But then just out of once again, not thinking, I said, if it doesn't work out, don't forget Ralph, a cash across the street, insurance, insurance. Insurance, just walk over there and say to the uh, Betty or her, who's Ralph? Oh, that's Ralph Epperson. Gosh, I'll go just to you. So nothing. Now, that was March the 1st, 1966. That dates, remember, March 3166. Okay. So now, I go, May is what, May, uh, Memorial Day or something. I had a couple, so I went to LA to visit. I come back on Saturday, so I would get up Sunday, get the alarm clock set, 
and get back in the routine of getting on a, on a clock. So uh -huh. I got to keep walking. As I'm walking and unlocking the door, the telephone's ringing. Hello? Is it, hello? She said, is this Ralph? I said, yes. Ralph Everson, yes. I said, do you work for an insurance company? And I said, yes. She said, well, this is Sherry from the savings. Oh, God, I said, I beg, beg, beg. <laughs> I said, you're engaged. Uh -huh. No, I'm not. He was married. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I know. that. In other words, she got broke that off, and she remembered Ralph, maybe not Epperson, but maybe she did because she asked me, she said, I've been trying to call you for a week, and the, the, a couple of days at least, and the phone's been uh, busy, no answer. Well, I told her, I went to LA for a Memorial Day, whatever it was. So I finally got her down, I said, let's have dinner on Friday night, and I'll pick you up and tell me, gave me, gave me her address. I didn't get a phone number, just got an address. So I went over there, put my skid suit on. I had an Austin Healy. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That. Nice. Picked her up in the car. She she walked on the second floor. She came down the stairs looking like this to see what I looked like. And she, she, she kind of got a smile on her face. So I, I was approved. So we were there. And while we're eating dinner, she said, March the 1st, 66, was my first day on the job. Wow. First day. Now, wow. if that had gone on the 27th or 8th of February, I would have never met her. Huh. Yeah. So I don't know, but I think someone said, Ralph, I'm going to deliver her to you. Uh -huh. So I want you to go. I never ate bit lunch with Dan for a while. And then we walked across the street and she was there at, lunch, at my lunchtime. So she maybe ate her lunch back there and came out. So I saw her and I said, my God, this is, she's the most perfect thing I've ever seen. Uh -huh. so we went out to dinner. We started dating. And on December the 22nd, 1966. Oh, what a handsome couple. Yeah. Wow, Ralph. She was pretty. That woman could have been Miss America. She had it all. Uh-huh. I'll say. So, boy, when I knew her, I said, it's going to be great. Well, it was yes and no. She came from a dysfunctional family that I didn't know about. I didn't meet her parents until uh -huh. the wedding. So I didn't know anything about them, but she never talked about them. But she right. was like this. Wow. We had, we had a troubled marriage, so at the end of seven years, we separated. Mm -hmm. And she moved out. I stayed in the house and made the payments and the bills and that. And she moved out on her own. She had her job. And she went, and I'm going like this. You know, we're on the program. We're now, we're now still in Oakland. No, we're in Oakland. No, we moved to Portland. We're getting Portland. Right. And she says, I, I said, my friend says, what's the matter? I said, I'm on the verge of a divorce. I don't want a divorce. My wife's separated. I can't get her to talk to me. So I said, I, at this divorce city. So I said, would you talk to my pastor? I said, so talk to anybody. Help me get this. What's the matter? Why? I'm a nice guy. I don't beat her again. No chasing. I pledged myself. You've got a 27. You don't even get to look at the tens or the eight or nine. You look at her. You uh -huh. make her the center of your universe. And that's what I did for 
seven years. Right, right. So I, I, but it was, so she moved in. And so he said, let's talk. He got the Bible out. He said, we talk. He showed me in the scriptures why you shouldn't be a Catholic. I said, what do I do? He said, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I said, what do I do? So we went through the process of confessing the sin. And Jesus said to me, walked up to me in, in my mind, whom do you say that I am? Wow. And I said, the Christ, the living son of God, the Messiah, uh-huh. and the Savior of mankind. And I wow. accept you and want you in my life. Uh-huh. So two weeks later, I'm in the water. Unknowns to me with no support, control, Sherry in, in Portland was working in, in the library of a university and she was meeting people. And a, a pastor who was there just getting a divorce, divinity degree or something, and he got friendly with her. Now, please understand, he's a married man and a pastor and two children, as I found out later. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, hey, you're pretty, I want to talk to you. He'd be a he, professional. He, yeah. yeah, professional. It was not this thing. So, guess what? He led her to Christ. Wow. Like this. Wow. She got hers. She called me. We got back together again for seven more years, and then we divorced. Mm -hmm. But before we divorced, I called that number one, the February, March 1st, 66. That's a coincidence. I'll accept that. The same thing about this thing together, working together at the same time. That's a coincidence. The number three is a coincidence. I'm making a dwelling appraisal, and this is the, that's the third one. I'm talking to him. I said, get a beautiful home, girl. Yes, I did a body. So he said, you know, seriously, my wife and I are, are going to build a, a house. We've got a picture. He said, but we don't have any down payment. Well, how much do you need? $2,000. So it's a, what's your name again? Uh, it's what are you doing? I'm writing you a check. You, you, for what? Your down payment. You need $2,000. I said, you don't know me. He said, yes, I did. You told me you're a Christian. I'm a Christian, and I've got enough to help you. Here's $2,000. I got a check. Huh. Think of that. Think of the th- odds of that happening. Right, right. More than $47 million. Uh-huh. Secondly, he was he was a wealthy man, and he had a beautiful home. And I'm making a draw by talking to him, finding out how much he did and the size in the bedrooms. So he wrote the check and gave it to me, and I went home to share it. So here's your down payment. Wow. Now I think that's the third coincidence. No, I think God heard my cry and said, "I need to get married." Right. That and was a deliberate. Yeah. Two weeks. Wow. Now we got separate, we got divorced. To end the story, it's almost over. And it was tough for a while. She married again, produced children. And and the husband died, that husband died, so she was on her own. And suddenly she's developing the personality she had, the problems with her mother are still with her. So she couldn't work anymore. So she said, I need financial help and I helped her out financially for ten years of her life. Wow. Every month, automatically, cash in an envelope. I told her when she left, took, took her half of the house. I said, 
a note I left on the table. I knew she put her table so she'd pick it up and read it. I promise you, I'll be there for you no matter what. I said, I could be married with 17 children. If I'm alive and well, call me. I'll, I'll be there for you. Wow. So finally, she passed away. I got her daughter, that's the last step, is a couple more senses. Uh -huh. Her daughter, I said to her, invited me over to be part of the family because I was her, her mother's ex-husband. Right. And her family, his family, accepted me. So I'm in there having Thanksgiving dinner once a year. It's great. Oh, nice. So I said to her, close, because she's uh, a Christian. I said, she said, yes. Are you fundamental? Yes. You go to church on Sunday? Yes. Are you convinced you're saved? You're absolutely. I said, are you convinced Sherry? I almost finished two more sentences. Go ahead. When Sherry saved? Yes. I said, you believe that Sherry, when she passed away, went to be with Jesus? Yes, because she was committed as a Christian to him. Wow. And suddenly, years later, she died 11 years ago. Uh, 2019. Suddenly I said, wait a minute, something's different here. She's changed. All of the garbage that she went through with her family and the little, our, our marriage was a six. It wasn't a 10, it was a six. Right. So I wasn't fighting. I was just, there was real indifference and a couple of things, you know, you say, and no fighting, no arguments. We just lived. I said, living like my sister. Uh huh. So I said, I've got to change that. And I, I started thinking about it. And I'm saying, she's in heaven. And I know that I'm going there. I'm going to be there. And all of that garbage that she had for all the time, going out with a married man and not knowing and being tough on her children. And then, you know, she's going to be the goddess that I saw. I won't use the word goddess. Yeah. The, the queen, the queen of <laughs> Miss America. Right. And I saw, uh, she's going to be in heaven with that right there. And I say, I'm going to be Ralph Edison. And I'm waiting. I can, I'm telling you, David, the last sentence, I can't wait. Uh huh. I know, Ralph. I feel, I, I know. I fell back in love with her. It's mm -hmm. stronger than it was during the 10, 14 years together. And uh -huh. I'm I can't wait. I'm 84. And I'm saying, how do I get there? Well, you stop eating. Well, that's like committing suicide. <laughs> so, but I right. That lady, she's going to look like, I'm told that, that when you die, you go there. Everybody's 30. You ever heard that? I've heard of that many times, and I hope it's true. I believe it will be true. Yeah. And when at 30, I was 29, and she was 25. So uh -huh. she's going to look like that in heaven. That's right. And I'm telling you, I, 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 okay, that's enough. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't want to get emotional. Well, I didn't mean to do that. But that's no, no, I, no. That's okay, because I was starting to, too. <laughs> <laughs> if we're both crying online. Well, I hate to say it now. Come on, be honest with me. What? Tell me true. Are those miracles, are those coincidences? Three of them. I don't think in God's kingdom are our, there are coincidences. I think that everything's planned out and that they're miracles to us when they happen. Okay. That stuff all happened before he created the heavens and the earth, Ralph. 
you know, he had it all planned out and you just followed the script, you know, perfectly, by the way. <laughs> so well, I certainly feel that I can assure you because mm-hmm. this is what she's going to look like. Exactly. She, she never put weight on. She never cut fat. She didn't get ugly. Uh-huh. She was always pretty, all, remained pretty all the way. She'd lose really a few pounds, then lose a few pounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every woman. Like, we, we, we had a friendship until 2019, and that was she died in 2015. She's been gone for 12 years already. Uh-huh. So I'm uh-huh. telling her, I'm sorry, sure. It's taking, it's taking some time for me to get there. <laughs> okay. I want you to know, baby, I'm on the way. There's no time in heaven either, so. There's no for- no. No time in heaven. So, so the minute she passed on till the time you get there is going to seem like a blink of an eye to her. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, she's, but nonetheless, it's still a blink of an eye. I am going to, my eyes are cheering up a great blinking as well. Uh-huh. So I'm living it day by day by day by day. Saying, when am I going? Father, I say, take me. But I don't think she's through with me yet. I, I don't think so either, Ralph, because I, I I got something else to do. This I believe this is part of it. Exactly. The thing that we made that last last time we were together a mm-hmm. week or so ago. I'm hoping we can get that on on the uh, uh, Trump, and we'll talk about that maybe when we finish. But okay. We run out of time. I can only sincerely thank you, and I'm sorry I put you through your research through the story about Ralph Epperson and his uh, his. Yes, Don't apologize for that, Ralph. It's a beautiful story. And, and there's some, there's at least one person out there that needs to hear it. And there may be more. You may, you may have brought hope to a lot of people. I saved my mother. I saved my aunt. I can't save my brother. He doesn't want to hear it. Right. Right. That's okay. You've done every, you've done everything you could do. You know, hey, and, you, and you're going to hear that well done, good and faithful servant when you get up there. Bless you for that. I, well, it's I'm true. So, I'm so familiar with those words. Mm-hmm. It's always been, I, I pray that's what God said. Well done. Oh, believe me. Yeah. He's going to give you a big hug too. When he says it. Well, David, you're going to be here too, my friend. We'll get to, we're going to get together. Oh, heck yeah. We're, we can have a, a, a radio show that goes on for eternity. But we won't need one because everybody will be saved. <laughs> are you? Are you? What? What did you look like when you were twenty nine, thirty? Uh, I don't know. I I looked like me, but younger and and pretty skinnier. So skinnier? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna be skinnier than in the heaven. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> That'll be a good thing. Well, well Ralph, I think that the uh, the audience uh, really got a lot out of today. I mean. You talked about so many subjects and hit on so many things, and that's a good thing. And um, I know that a lot of people got blessed, especially with with the end here, when you when you ended with that with your story about you and Sherry. Well, I, I got when, when I go on, I've got to move this out of the way because I think I moved it. And that's where I lost it. Okay. I, yeah, because I, I know she doesn't do it now, but maybe after some time, because that's I think why. So I'm going to put it aside. Because I don't need it anymore. I'm now doing this with my hands and these people. Exactly. You still like our Methodist? Does that work for you? Yeah, works really good. So I'll, what I'll do now is, folks, and um, when we get off here, I'm going to 
take this and, and upload it to Rumble and um, and turn it into audio and upload it to various audio formats too. So it's um, well, it's, David, this would be a good one for uh, for the Trump as well. Mm-hmm. You think you can get it on there? Like, oh, I'll get it. I'll get it on Trump's format. Yeah. Well, we've talked about that, but uh, I'm not trying to pressure you. And if you decide not to do it, I got no, no, Ralph. It's real easy. All I do is copy the link and then put it on Truth Social. Well, uh, please, I would, uh, that's why we did this. We're reaching. Well, they, first of all, everyone's got to hear this. Right. They need to hear it especially. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Maybe this, maybe not. Count on it, Ralph. It'll be there. Okay. I got one more. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. End it officially. Okay. Folks. Okay, thank folks, God. folks, thank you for listening and uh we will <laughs> we'll get back with you uh next time that Ralph and I are on, okay? God bless you. God bless you, Ralph. God bless you too, David. Thank okay. you. Okay. You're welcome.